2020 gave us many amazing stories of resilience and overcoming odds. Johnny Owens stopped by the show to talk about one of those stories, which actually appeared, well, worldwide on ESPN the day after this episode was released. Johnny talked about ESPN's Project 11, a feature on ESPN documenting the injury and recovery of the Washington football team's quarterback, Alex Smith. Alex went from a horrific, life-threatening, leg-threatening injury on the field. And as you know, if you've been watching sports in 2020, it led him all the way back to starting in the NFL. But along the way, walking seemed like a reach. The ESPN story was actually hosted by physical therapist and guest of a show, Stefania Bell. Also on the episode, Johnny Owens was featured and Seth Blee, all former guests of this podcast. We take a look behind the ESPN Project 11 with Johnny and get his insights from the recovery of Alex Smith, a top 20 episode this year on PT Pinecast. to physical therapists around the world. It is. This is the PT Pinecast. May I introduce? Please allow me to introduce you to. Here's your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. All right, uh, welcome to the show right now, bringing back a, uh, another guest and sponsor of the show, Johnny Owens of Owens Recovery Science. Johnny, welcome back to the program, man. Thanks, Jimmy. Good to be here, man. And uh, cheers to Larry Cahalan. Larry, welcome to the show. University of Miami, board certified in cardiopulmonary uh, clinical specialist, and you're at the U. At the U. Yes, sir. <laughs> nice to meet you. Cheers to you guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, wanted to bring you guys back on because busy working with a project that I'm going to guess came together really, really quickly because it had to. Um, and that is the PACER project. I'm, I'm sure some of the audience has been seeing it online. You see that acronym. Let's get into what it means. And f- first of all, good on you guys for actually finding a cool acronym that hit all the major points of the project. PACER <laughs> does it. Sounds kind of cool, right? Post acute COVID-19 exercise and rehabilitation project it kind of encompasses everything there multiple APTA components coming together uh, cardiovascular acute care just to name a few we'll get into what different things you can expect from there because it's going to be a bunch of components it's in the format of a CEU online course right that's that's kind of the, how it's being distributed yeah and it's free to members and we call them potential members future hopeful members there you go with the American Physical Therapy Association and this is why this is a cheap plug for me to say why I'm a member of the APTA something this important the APTA puts a ton of and the people that put forth this content and created it with them put a ton of effort into it and then we gave it away for free because we realized this is landmark this is monumental we need to create this as a profession this is what we plan our flag in so now that we got kind of the high level out of the way larry you're involved in this how'd you get how'd you get dragged into this mess and, and helping create this pacer content well i did not come up with the acronym um <laughs> i have to acknowledge that um angela campbell and ellen hilligus if i'm not mistaken we're probably drinking a beer just like you and johnny i'm drinking water to make a long story short i think they were trying to think about a nice acronym and a way to get education to people who were in need of it in a matter of, I'd say, a day or two. They actually put together the acronym as well as the people who um, have been speaking and have done a great job 
thus far on all the presentations to help therapists understand how to work with this particular coronavirus. There's a menu and you can find the, the full list uh, a few places on the APT website, as well as OwensRecoveryScience.com. Topics and courses, including you mentioned uh, Ellen Hillegas, Heidi Engel, Steve Tepper, who actually taught me cardio poem. Oh, you poor uh, guy. In, in PT school, Morgan uh, Johansson, Michael Tavald, uh, John Loman, see Jim Smith, Annie Downs, Mary Massery on posture and breathing, Larry, Johnny, uh, you guys combine as well. Pam Bartlow has been on the show, Naomi Bauer. The list goes on and on. There, There is a plethora. It's a nice little menu, really relevant to every, this thing that came up and popped up and hit us out of nowhere. You know, all the people you mentioned, uh, they've done a great job with their presentations. And there are two outstanding presentations that haven't been done yet. One by a guy named Johnny Owens. He kind of pulled me alongside. And then uh, another from myself and a, a former student, Magno Formiga from Brazil. Um, and uh, we're working on that. And I know Johnny and I have been working on this for a long time. We had a call today with uh, a team in Zurich, Switzerland, and they gave us some information that we can hopefully uh, make appropriate for the Physical Therapy Association here in the United States. When you guys get a call like this, hey, we need you to come up with essentially clarion call type content to represent a profession like this. Is that what you do first? Do you reach out to colleagues, obviously in Europe, who were pretty much hit harder than we were before we were? In, in some respects, I have, but I think Johnny, uh, you you went out on the limb and you reached out to these guys because they were the only group doing BFR with individuals who have pulmonary disease, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and so no one else has really looked at it. There, there's been one review paper identifying the potential role, and we had a study that we were planning to do last month to start examining just at rest and then with minimal exercise, what happens when a person with pulmonary disease does BFR in some respect, trying to get a little bit of that remote ischemic preconditioning story, but then also trying to identify as we have with heart failure, what is an optimal limb occlusion pressure that we might be able to use for this patient population. It was really nice. I I really enjoyed Johnny's presentation in Denver and I was able to kind of piggyback off of what he presented so nicely at the combined sections meeting and two other presenters did a great job, two former students of mine. It's, It's really neat material. I have to say, Johnny, working, uh, working this. This is your bag. This is your jam. It's got to be it's got to feel pretty cool for a couple of things. Number one, BFR getting the recognition on something so acute in an area where it's it's not sports performance, which I think a lot of people try to put BFR. What are you going to try to share in your presentation with Larry as it comes out through Pacer? Well, that's part of talking with with the fellows in, in Zurich this morning. There, there's a lot behind the scenes going on. And, and, and over the last couple of years, We've really shifted um, from not just the orthopedic and the military side, but but moving into to conditions that are much more acute or, or you know, people with these different comorbidities. So right off the bat, when when Larry and I, you know, started kind of collaborating and figuring out how we were going to do this. You know, the one thing I said is like, look, let's start reaching out to, to some of these studies we have. You know, like last week, we, we just had a, a Parkinson's trial finish up. And so we were able to reach out to, to the, re, the head researcher on that and get some really cool information of how that patient tolerated it and a lot of fascinating stuff of what it did for vascularity. We have a diabetes trial going on with the German Diabetes Center, largest group in Germany that kind of tracks everything for the German government for diabetes and learning from them with those patients of what, what limb occlusion pressures they can tolerate, what, you know, we think amount of exercise load they can do, what they're already seeing. So I, th- I think this is kind of what we can get that isn't published yet of what we know of trials that are going on. I've heard about this trial going on in Zurich for, you know, for since December, I think, and I've been meaning to reach out to them. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool because right now we just can't say like, hey, we have all this acute data. Um, let's throw it out there. But we do have a, a lot of stuff going on that's probably not published that people aren't seeing. It's awesome to see it go in this direction, man. Um, it's cool. 
how is it being accepted? Because, you know, as, as I, I mentioned a second ago, acute care physical therapists might not have this BFR might not have been on their radar, might not have been in their treatment bag of tricks. Are they gravitating toward it? Are you seeing people reach out to you via your website, listening to your podcast and social media saying, what do you have for us? Where, what are we looking at? What do we need to know? Yeah. You know, I, I think the way it just, the way it worked out was perfect. You know, starting it during the wars in the DOD, um, on a, on, on a patient that was really, you know, willing to do it, but was also pretty, pretty badly injured, um, that gained this acceptance. And then, the you know, the pro teams and college teams, they picked it up and, and they were able to say, okay, you guys did it. It looks pretty safe. We're okay with our guys doing it. So they started doing it. And my goal is as we move forward, you know, it's like, okay, well, how can we do a study? Um, how can we get some grant funding to see what really works? And so we had these DOD studies and we had all these orthopedic studies more. I would speak at conferences or people would just reach out and say, hey, you know, it looks like it works post-op. What about with a with a with a total knee or a total hip? And so that was kind of this next step. And right. so then we're doing on these elderly patients. And, you know, now, OK, what about pediatrics? You know, could we do it on them orthopedically? And so when we moved to that and now it's moved on to pediatrics with neurologic problems and we, we were looking at starting to we, we just put RB in for our MS trial in Colorado. So it's just, you know, it started and, and everyone just, just keeps getting more and more acceptance and that acuity um, where people are like, okay, wow, yeah, I could maybe do this inpatient. It's almost kind of just naturally drifted that way, which is nice. Yeah. I think if we would have came right out of the bat and said, let's do this in acute care, or, you know, let's start this right off the bat. Uh, people would have been like, you're you're looking at me like I'm barbecuing kittens. Right. And <laughs> all right, so so you just <laughs> Barbecuing kittens. I'm trying to get that visual out of my head. Texas, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very tech Texas saying. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned where BFR came from, and you've mentioned this before uh, on our show, is it, it came out of necessity. And we said necessity is the mother of invention. Question mm-hmm. for both of you, because you're creating this content in Pacer and you're intimately involved in it. This feels like the moment where our profession came from out of polio. It was necessity and a bunch of people, rehabilitation aides stepped up and said, we don't know what this is or how we're going to help, but we're going to figure it out. And now it feels like our profession is established next year, 100 years, then COVID hits. And to watch Pacer to come together, come together with all this information, all the different components that are that are adding to it. This feels like a moment for our profession to stand up. Does it feel like that to you guys? Yeah, I think so for sure. You know, I think your other your question about the acute care setting and you know how is it being accepted? I had a really nice opportunity just before this call to speak to the staff and administration at Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. A former student of mine from BU uh, is there and asked if I could help. So I've been helping them for several months since it started. And um, it was really neat, the discussions. They had a bunch of questions sent to me yesterday and I had a chance to review them. As you probably know, they're all orthopedic therapists, but they have really taken this particular situation. Like you said, they've learned what to do in terms of the cardiovascular pulmonary response and what's necessary for the patient population they're dealing with, because now they're actually, they were made into a COVID hospital right. and uh, they're taking care of the, the patients there and doing a great job in the acute care setting and the rehab and just had a really nice discussion. So it's definitely, I think being accepted, I talked about BFR, the potential role, um, certainly during the rehabilitation process, but then also in the acute care stage and what we've been thinking about and different things that might be advantageous in terms of even the lung tissue 
for these patients. Let's go super basic and very specific about the presentation that you guys are collaborating on together with BFR for Pacer. I imagine you've got to start from the beginning and give people a level set because you don't know their level of experience, which which type of physical therapist, if they have a little bit of experience with BFR. What can they expect? Are there three kind of uh, highlights you guys want to hit in terms of when they take this, they'll be able to walk away with ABC? I've left that for Johnny to answer. There you go. <laughs> Do not mention barbecuing kittens, please. Yeah, I won't, man. So, yeah, obviously, I, th- I think first in the low hanging fruit is, look, these people are deconditioned and, and it, it's becoming pretty well established. I think we're understanding that you can do low level exercise. And if you if you add blood flow restriction to it, it, it you just get a it seems like a better effect. Um, and so that's the, the first point is this is what blood flow restriction is and, and just basically the application of it. And at, at the least, then we want to see what we can do to, to recondition these people, uh, maybe from muscle quantity and quality to even maybe aerobic capacity. And then, you know, and then Larry and I can geek out, you know, we're, we're really even going down into potentially what's the immune response and, you know, what's happening at the endothelial level. And then with ACE2, where where the COVID virus really likes to latch on and, and is, is increased ACE shedding help with that. And so we could really go down this big wormhole you know, there's there's some anecdotal stuff now, you know, if reducing reactive oxygen species might be really beneficial in, in these type of patients. Um, it looks like with BFR, you don't get this this free radical production, which you would with more intense type of exercise. So we could get kind of, you know, a lot of bang for your buck with maybe not some of the downside that you would get with pushing these people a little bit too hard. So that, that's what we're going to try and do is kind of big overview and then probably take it down if you want to geek out, get a little bit too too sciencey and maybe I don't know. And I'm going to let Larry go crazy sciencey because he's better at that. I don't think so. (laughs) Not really good overview. And again, we would want to mention if you really want to get super sciencey and geek out, uh, Johnny's got his very own podcast all about BFR where they do just that Owens recovery science podcast available on iTunes. Anything else you guys wanted to mention? Anything else that's really important in this moment about your course? I'm just happy to be doing it with Johnny. And I thank you for doing this today. I think it's, it's good to try to get as many people as possible to hopefully hear our message. And I think the message would be that, you know, certainly in the rehabilitation phase, that BFR could be a very beneficial thing for this patient population. And perhaps um, if we were to look at this more closely, maybe even in the acute care setting. I, I think, Jimmy, you hit on it perfectly earlier, too. I mean, this is kind of this tipping point where our profession started with this just mass population of people that needed something. And, and I think it could be very easy to say, okay, well, you you went through COVID and you survived, now get on with life. And we're, we're gonna have to really get the message out there that their outcomes might not be that great. And you know, I, I, I've kind of taken some time and looked at at least the COPD data and the ARDS data, man, readmission, it, it's, it's just a train wreck um, for PTSD and everything else that happens. And so it's gonna be on our profession, I really think, to try and keep these people from going back into the hospital because right. that's, that's like everything, the readmissions where they really go south. Uh, I do not remember who, who said it today. I saw it on social media. It was shared by APTA, but the quote was generally this. Even some of these people sitting at the edge of bed is going to be a Herculean effort for them. And I'm, yeah. you know, preventing, preventing infection, preventing uh, people from spreading the disease is definitely first and foremost. PTs, as is our nature, are looking down the line saying, this is going to have ramifications later and later and later for people who are otherwise healthy. 
for, yeah. for people who have survived this. Thank God. Now is our opportunity to make sure that we can help them with what we know as a profession. I- I'm excited to see how our profession is going to step up. Very pumped. Yeah. Well, just getting a, all of us to start to collaborating on something like Pacer is exciting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of where it's all going. The uh, full list, again, you can find it at owensrecoveryscience.com or if you just search for the Pacer Project on the APTA's website with multiple APTA components coming together. Thanks for doing this, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome, man. Now's a good time to grab a fresh one. The PT Pinecast will be right back. Do you want to improve your skills as an orthopedic physical therapist? Do you want to practice at the top of your profession? Have you ever thought about earning your orthopedic clinical specialist certification? Well, imagine how great it would feel to go into the OCS examination feeling confident and prepared that you'll pass on your first attempt. If you were given a plan that was simple to follow, if you were given lessons that were easy to understand, and you were given sample tests that sharpened your skills. However you're comfortable studying, the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy's current concepts course can make you more prepared and confident for the OCS examination. But it can't help you unless you take the first step and make the investment. And today is your chance. Go to orthopt.org and take the current concepts course from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. That's orthopt.org and the current concepts course from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. All right, in the middle of the episode here, just heard from uh, Larry and Johnny. Second half of the show, we'll get into Project 11 premiering on ESPN Friday, May 1st. You're going to want to watch that uh, story told by Stefania Bell, physical therapist and head injury analyst for ESPN, telling the story of Alex Smith, quarterback for the Redskins suffering a horrific injury and now he's rehabbing we get to look through that we'll hear from Johnny who's been a part of that rehab process want to thank our friends at Arius Medical Staffing for helping to support the show if you're looking to travel the country as a physical therapist right now in the time of need there are areas of this country that need therapists and there are therapists that are looking for positions Enter Aureus Medical Staffing, A-U-R-E-U-S medical.com. That's where you can find them. Positions in all settings in all 50 states right now. See what's available to you and how you can help. And let uh, let yourself do what you want to do, which is be a great PT in this time of need, where you want to do it, and where the need is. A-U-R-E-U-S medical.com. Go there now. A-U-R-E-U-S medical.com. And we're back. Let's get back to the show. I don't want to brag or anything, but it feels a little bit like ESPN is following my podcasts. Uh, one of the first episodes I ever recorded was actually at a brewery with a guy by the name of Seth Blee, followed up shortly after with an interview with Stefania Bell, and then not long after that with Johnny Owens. So, Johnny, you tell me, Project 11 seems a little bit like like they're following my lead here. Yeah, we were going to call it... Uh... Project PT Pinecast, but um, I, th- I think you had some trademark thing and your lawyers wouldn't let us right. use it. Could not do it. <laughs> um, been seeing the teasers for this on on, uh, on ESPN uh, and and I still watch. I'll be honest, but my, you know, my friends are like, you know, who are non-sports fans, like, what are you still watching sports for? My brother and I will sit here and we'll watch like a, a 1984 Rangers game or an old Yankees game. Honestly, we know the outcome. It's still, it's, it's, it's drama, but we do need the live sports back. But this is a great pair parallel and i'll recap because i think i when i saw it i was like oh yeah alex smith whatever happened alex smith uh skins versus the texans that's back on november 18th sacked by jj watt and kareem jackson he wound up wound up with a spiral and compound fracture 
of the right tib fib, then sepsis, then near amputation, 17 surgeries up to that point in two years. That is insane. That's essentially that. That's the it's just the intro. That's the beginning of Project 11. That's what we know. That's the facts. And then the rehabilitation comes in. So what do we have to expect in, in Project 11? You're involved in this. Seth Stefania tells the story. It's a great PT collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And Seth and I have been friends for a long time. So it's cool to, to be able to work with him a lot on this. And so, yeah, and the key component of his injury was it's an open fracture. And um, so what what we learned from the wars um, is these open fractures are just going to be full of bugs in, when you're in an outside environment like that. And a football field has all sorts of bugs in it. And so unfortunately, uh, you know, he, he did get a, a just a really bad infection and not only to the point of, you know, is he going to keep his leg, but to a point of like, is he going to, is he going to live? Yeah. Um, and, and so it was, it was pretty dark. And, you know, I, you know, I'm like you, I, I saw, I actually watched the game and, and you, I, I like most people, I, you know, you kind of freak out when you see that injury. Yeah. Um, and then I was at a conference. I don't remember which one it was in Vegas. And it was right after the injury and, and Robin West, who I know, you know, as well, um, team doc for the Redskins. She's a good friend. Um, one of my favorite orthopedic surgeons. She called me and I was there and already had probably too many drinks at that point. I almost didn't take her call because I was, you know, a little bit buzzed. But, you know, she kind of laid it out there. Hey, you know, you're the first person I wanted to call on this because Alex is in this position of trying to decide, keep, keep his limb or go to amputation. You know, she sort of gave her two cents and she said she wanted to get my opinion. Um, that, that was my wheelhouse. Um, I, I saw his injury was just something I saw daily during 15 years of war. That, that's how the ball started. She called me and then I gave her my opinion and, and what I thought. And then she said, can I have Alex's wife? He was he was still in the hospital. Can I have Elizabeth, his wife, call you and and start discussing, you know, kind of what you think? And, and that's how this thing started. So it's been going on for a while. We're going to get to see really the journey from from injury to where he is right now. And it looks like and if you watched some of the promos and again, as we record this, we're recording this a day before it comes out. So the time you hear this, it will be out and available on ESPN. Looks like Alex and his wife, Elizabeth, gave pretty much unfettered access to this process. Yeah, you know, and uh, Alex, I think at the start, it was it wasn't even about ever like, would this be cool to document that I might be able to return to football? It was maybe I should document this to just to show what it's like to have an injury like this and the, and the trials and tribulations. And at that point, he's just like, am I going to be able to keep my leg and, and can I walk? That was really it was re- really kudos to him. He wanted to document it and see if that helps people that might be in his same position. And then over time, it just kept evolving and we were seeing better, better kind of changes and things were moving along. And it's, you know, it's like, hey, should this become like I'm going to try and get back and be a quarterback in the NFL again documentary? And that's his goal, right? His goal is to be a professional quarterback. Yeah, if you talk to him, he'll tell you, and I believe 100%, his goal is to be able to to do stuff with his kids um, and just have a good life. So if you say what's his goal, his goal is like, I would like to be able to go hike and play with my kids. But yes, it is a driving factor that he wants to go back on the football field and not just like, you know, hey, this is just for show. We're going to have Alex take a snap and throw it and go back out. It's like, I want to be a starting quarterback in the NFL again. One of the uh, the most poignant 
pieces in the promo, which really drew me in was I think the first time he actually threw a ball since the injury, he was doing it in rehab. Yeah, that was with me. And um, it's cool to see it because I didn't see his face really, you know. Well, I was throwing the ball at him with him at first, but I suck at football. So uh, I had one of my techs actually start throwing it with him so I could go work with him a little bit. But um, yeah, I seen the close up videos of his face um, light up during that. I, I didn't really see them. That was amazing. You know, I talked with him afterwards, right after we finished that little session. And he and his wife were both very emotional about how cool sure. it was. He hadn't touched a ball. But yeah, I mean, that was a that was an amazing day. That was our first real day. He, it'll come out in in the piece. Um, he got Secretary of Defense clearance to come work with the military to try and give back um, with a lot of the things we learned with limb salvage. So he was down at, at our military base down here doing that rehab during that portion. So yeah. you mentioned a, a parallel is this is your wheelhouse. This is the thing that you've experienced is something similar, which is a lower leg injury that's really, really serious could have potentially lost his leg. What are just some of the surgeries in the, in the promo piece that mentioned uh, he was actually really talking pretty high level. He was talking about which muscles they were moving there. Oh, yeah, this is where they were my vastus lateralis and they moved it. And this is a skin graft. I mean, are the, these are, are similar surgeries to the injuries you were seeing when you were at the center for the uh, intrepid. A thousand percent. I mean, it was, you know, and then we were able to, don't really articulate like, yeah, we understand what you went through. That's what, you know, we, we, we saw all the time um, to even like, okay, this is your course that we think, and you're going to have this, this period where, you know, the bone maybe isn't healing like we were thinking it would. And do we need to take hardware out and try and go another option? And, oh my God, you spike fever, you know, is the infection back. And so, you know, there's this roller coaster that you go through. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he went all the way from surgery, had to debulk, had to take away a lot of muscle, had to do these big muscle flaps, which if you're not familiar, it's just basically taking muscle from other parts of your body just to cover the bone down on his wow. lower leg. Yeah. And you could see it. It's uh, it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. you're in there with the camera and his rehab project with Project 11 going to be on ESPN by the time you hear this. Excited to see this and, and really to bring this full circle. When you get a call from Robin West, who, again, is the orthopedic surgeon for the uh, Redskins and the Nationals, really just a leader in the D.C. area. When you get a call to bring it full circle, this is why you study BFR because of injuries like this and situations like this. Now, when Alex Smith's wife calls you, you go, I've seen this before. Here are the, here are the ways that this could look. Yeah, 100 percent. And having already a good relationship with with Robin, you know, it is funny because I have. I'm very close with the Houston Texans and, you know, done stuff with JJ Watt and stuff too. And it's ironic that, uh, you know, the Houston Texans head athletic trainer, actually when one of the times we were there working with him to sit for the Intrepid, he came down to just check out some of the stuff at the Intrepid, even though Alex was there and he was just like, Holy crap. I'm sorry, man. I saw that happen on the other side. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was crazy. Excited to see three people that, that, that I've had the chance to meet. Great to see our profession in such a positive light. It's great to tell a human story in Alex Smith and get to show how rehabilitation really kind of plays a part in his life. So I'm excited to watch. You got one, yeah. you got one viewer in my house going to be glued to the TV, man. So I appreciate that research information. If you want to get certified, plus the tools that you need to apply BFR, what we've been talking about this episode in clinical practice, owensrecoveryscience.com. If you want to get even more niche, Johnny's podcast will go long form. Owens Recovery Science podcast available for you on iTunes. Johnny, appreciate you stopping by, man. Eventually, Thanks. we'll have a beer and a uh, kitten barbecue in person, I guess. Once it's got to happen, man. Yeah. Don't, don't piss off the cat people. They're crazy. 
The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at Brooks ihl.org our home on the internet ptpinecast.com created by build pt build pt provides marketing services specifically for private practice pts from website development and hosting providing content marketing solutions for pt clinics across the country see what build pt can do for you today at buildpt.com